0: You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to Live Diet Free Podcast. Coming at you from my kitchen, where my refrigerator just sounded like it was about to take off. It's taking a break right now, so if you suddenly hear a really loud, kind of white, noisy type situation in the background, it's my refrigerator running. For today's episode, I am going to do something a little bit different, and I just want to talk about what I personally do, the habits that I am in, that I attribute to my healthy lifestyle and being able to maintain a healthy weight pretty easily. I kind of go back and forth on things like this because I get asked really often, Like, you know, what do you personally do? What are your secrets? What tips do you have? And I I do see the value in it, which is why I'm doing this podcast. But at the same time, I think it's very easy to see somebody like me and be like, okay, I just need to do exactly what she's doing. And that is not my intention of this episode. So I don't want you to feel like you need to do things exactly the way I do. Or if you're doing something different, that's working and you enjoy, that you have to stop doing it. I just want to kind of give you the rundown on... How, how, I, how I get through life, what I, what I do kind of day-to-day that I think makes this stuff easy. So they're not in any particular order. Um, some of them I'll give more of an explanation than others, but basically your takeaway is going to be like, oh, she just does exactly what she <laughs> advises other people to do. Um, there's nothing like secret. I don't have any special supplements that I take. I don't combine foods in weird ways. I don't have restrictions or it really is just I do the basics consistently for years on end. So if you're looking for magic, it's not here, but I think it will help you see that um, there is major value in mastering the big rocks. So first one is that the t- I don't currently track my food. I will occasionally, if I feel like I need to tighten things up and I'm not exactly sure what has changed, that I'll track for a week and just kind of utilize that tool again and help me build awareness of what has kind of been put on the back burner. But for the most part, I don't track because I don't need to anymore. I have gotten myself to the point through periods of tracking where I can estimate portions, I can put together balanced meals. And I can do the kind of mental math to help me keep a rough running estimate of what and how much I've eaten throughout the day. And this is why I'm such a big advocate of using food tracking as a tool. I think it gets a bad rap a lot of the time that it can be this, you know, obsessive thing and it become a crutch and you rely on it too much and you don't, you know, you start seeing numbers instead of foods. And I get that it can turn into that, but I think it's more so the way you go about it than anything else. If you go into it thinking like, okay, this, tr- this tracking is gonna be the end all be all, this is what's gonna make me be successful, and you know, you're, you're gonna have a bad time. But if you go into it thinking, I need a tool that's gonna help me build awareness about what I'm currently doing and where, I'm, you know, where my blind spots are, where am I overlooking things that are counterproductive to my goals, and if, I, if I'm not aware of those things, I cannot change them. So how can I become more aware? documentation is a very good way. And then once you're aware, then you can work on making those changes. So for me personally, it helped me experience kind of the the freedom of no longer categorizing foods as good or bad, no longer putting certain foods on a pedestal of, oh, that's a cheat day food or things like that. I used to, gosh, it was a long time ago now, whenever we lived in Virginia beach. So probably, oh, I don't know, eight ish years ago, I would, I was still kind of in the all or nothing, you know, super restrictive or binge eating all weekend cycle. And I would do frozen yogurt every Sunday and I would do like this giant bowl and I would do all the toppings and I would eat it well beyond when I was no longer enjoying it just because I'm not allowed to have it again until next Sunday. So I might as well get it in. And then I would feel so stuffed and so gross that then I would go home and eat more because I was like, well, you already blew it. So you might as well make yourself feel as bad as possible so that you never want to do this again. When I started tracking, it gave me the freedom to see, "Hmm, you know what? I could have frozen yogurt whenever I want. Do I want it though? If it means that I can't then fit in something else as well. There's always a give and take. And that's another thing that I keep at my top of mind as well is if I'm going to have a cocktail at dinner, what, what will I do differently about my other choices so that it all kind of evens out. So if I'm going to go with a higher calorie or more indulgent meal, maybe I'll skip the drink. If I want the drink, maybe I'll go with a lighter meal, things like that. I'm always thinking about. Um, But what tracking did for me is allowed me to see unemotionally the energy content of the foods that I was eating, rather than being ruled by this like diet culture, foods are good or bad or things like that. I was, I was able to look at them objectively and be like, oh, they have assigned values based on, <laughs> based on science. They have energy content and they have energy that my body can derive from these foods and they differ based on the food. Once they were no longer in that categorization, they were just kind of on the spectrum I was much better able to say, you know what? I don't actually like frozen yogurt that much. (laughs) I only really cared about it because it was forbidden. And I really distinctly remember, I can picture where I was the time, the day that this happened. But I had this realization that I would just rather have potatoes with my breakfast than skip the potatoes and have frozen yogurt later. I just realized I didn't like what, what, what food, what value those foods had to me. So that is the time I spent tracking is what I attribute a lot of my kind of food freedom to. Prior to that, I had done all of the, you know, the whole thirties and the paleo and all the things, and it didn't give me the relationship with the food that I wanted. Now, because I have used a food scale, because I have measured out what, you know, four five, six ounces of protein looks like. I can, I can do that mentally. I can look at a serving of rice or pasta or potatoes and kind of estimate, that's 20 grams of carbs, that's 25. And I can keep that running tally in my head because I tracked and knew, okay, if, I'm tr- if, if I need X number of calories to fuel my lifestyle per day and I break that down across X number of meals, this is how big each meal is. These are the components of the meals. And now that's just kind of ingrained in me. I'm not thinking, you know I'm not like a robot where all I see when I see food is numbers. But more so, I can just do it pretty innately. Some might say intuitively that, okay, I want to have a a protein, I want to have a veggie, I want to have a carb, I want to have a healthy fat, and I'm able to put them together. So that's one of the big things. That's why I'm such a big advocate for tracking your food. I'm not advocating for anybody to track for forever, but I think you can learn so much from it and you can get yourself out from a lot of that really negative headspace around food when you can be more objective and have the same kind of experience that I did with it. Another thing that I do is still weigh some of the foods that are really easy to overestimate. Peanut butter being one of them. It's just really, especially because it's so good and I want all of it. It's very easy to take a giant tablespoon and be like, yep, it's on a tablespoon. That's one. And you know full well that it's two or more. So, the foods that I know are going to be easy to overestimate, and that overestimating them would be kind of a significant number of calories. I'm not worried about, you know, my broccoli or things like that. But the food scale's on the counter. It's not a problem for me to put the jar of peanut butter on the food scale, Zero it, take out what i you know what I think is a serving, double check. and then, get on with my life. You don't need to be tracking in order for a scale to be valuable sometimes. The other thing I do it with is Greek yogurt, (laughs) largely because it's really a hassle to find it here in Germany. There's only one store I can get it at and it's not like super far away, but it's not anywhere near the most convenient store to go to. So when I go, I really stock up and I try to do the math of, okay, if there's X servings in this container and I buy this many servings, this is how many days it's going to last me. I try to only go a couple times a a month to that store. So I'm going, I'm trying to get two weeks worth. If I just, if I overestimate, I'm going to run out sooner. So I do that to just like keep myself accountable largely for logistical reasons. But point being you can still use the scale if you know that historically you've had a hard time eyeballing things. That's not a problem. You could do it with steaks or with um, like fattier proteins or things like that where, you know, being off by a few ounces would make a a relatively big difference calorically. That's fine. I mentioned earlier the the give and take and that's, that's a really big one. I'm one of my favorite meals when we go out to eat is a big salad with protein and a side of french fries. I love french fries. I want to eat them as often as as possible, but I also know like that can't be my, prim- my primary food group. So I can get my protein, I can get my micronutrients, and my veggies from the salad, and then I can get my carbs and, and my fat from the french fries. So that's the give and take. Maybe it's having the burger with the bun and a salad on the side. Maybe, like I mentioned earlier, it's getting a cocktail, skipping dessert, getting an appetizer, skipping, you know, there's so many different ways you can do it. But thinking about the give and take, not just in a single meal, but also across your entire day. So one of my favorite things to do, it's really not a thing here in Germany, but in general is to go out for Sunday brunch. So since we don't, it's not really a thing where we live, we'll make it and we'll do pancakes and and just like a bigger Meal than usual, and typically that carries carries us into an early dinner, and then we'll eat a dinner kind of that that takes into account what we had for breakfast. If you know, say you're away and you know that you're going to be, you know, going to a wedding for dinner, and you're going to have drinks, and you're going to have apps, and you're going to have food and cake, then make your earlier meals lower calorie really focusing on your lean protein and your veggies. It's just a give and take. Your, things aren't happening in isolation. So thinking about how you can just kind of be consistent and be steady across the meals, the days, the weeks, the months, goes a long way. Another thing that helps me a lot is having just go-to meals and go-to kind of combinations that we have in rotation. So I know this this varies a lot for people, I am someone who is just a creature of habit. I literally, (laughs) Greg's first deployment, I had the same dinner. He was gone for like probably, I think it was like seven months. I had the same dinner probably six and a half of those months. And the times I didn't were times that I like went out to eat or something. Every dinner that I made at home was the exact same thing because I really enjoyed it. It wasn't a like restrictive thing. It was just, this is really good. I like it. It's aligned with my goals. It helps me feel satisfied. Why would I make more work for myself by figuring out something else to eat when I'm perfectly satisfied with this. So I know that doesn't go for everybody. Some of you are listening and you're like, I can't eat the same thing two days in a row. So that's not gonna work for me. That's fine. That's exactly what I'm saying about this. This is what works for me, what I do. And I know that a lot of people are curious about that. It doesn't need to be what you do. If you want more variety, great. That's totally fine. Um, But something you can think about is, is there a way that I can have some consistency and some go-to meals in rotation and also get the variety that I want. So for me, I love breakfast, any form of eggs I will eat. So I kind of rotate through phases where I'll do a frittata or an omelet or scrambled eggs or an egg bake or just different variations of basically the same thing. And I even realized that I'm so so easy to please that just taking the same egg bake ingredients and doing it in a casserole or a pie dish or muffin tins, just changing the shape of it was enough variety. So you may find that it's not so much that you need different foods as much as like you just want it aesthetically to look different. So think about what's the smallest possible change I could make that will give me variety without reinventing the wheel all the time. So what I'm getting at is my breakfast and lunch are pretty standard and then dinners are where I get the variety because I know that Madison would eat the same thing every day, but when I'm cooking for a guy, I like to get, i like to have some variety. So that's enough for me. I know I got breakfast and lunch that I like. They're easy. They're kind of on autopilot. And then dinner is where I will have something new that I can, um, you know, be a little bit more adventurous with or whatever. It also helps I think, to rather than... I don't do a ton of recipes. I just think in terms of ingredients, basically. Like, where's my protein? Where's my carb? Where's my veggie? Where's my fat? I call them four-box meals. That's what we call them in coaching. Um, so you're checking all four boxes with meals. I think that's way easier than looking for recipes that like incorporate a whole bunch of things. Especially, most of you are busy. You don't have a whole lot of time to be poring over recipe sites. Um, so ingredients work just as well. And different combinations of those can make the same thing feel different. So one of the things that we do is pasta with meat and veggie sauce and then with the leftover sauce I make a shepherd's pie with sweet potatoes. So it feels like a completely different meal but the majority of the ingredients are the same. That's super helpful for us. I think... I don't even do this consciously really but i focus a lot of my meals on on veggies and protein that's kind of a a mandatory when i'm looking at a menu or when i'm planning a meal I, I build it around a protein and a lot of women struggle to eat an ideal or an optimal or a sufficient amount of protein for their goals and doing this will help a ton with that if you make the protein the central you know, the focal point of the meal it will be that much easier to hit your target. A lot of times we just kind of pick blindly, and it's because we live in such a um, food surplus. A lot of the food, the go to foods, are carbs or fats or a combination of the two. So they're hyper palatable and they're just low in protein. So if you just kind of flip that on its head and focus on protein first, then your vegetables, and then the carbs and fat are tertiary and. Uh, Whatever. whatever comes after that quad quad something <laughs> anyway can move on there um <laughs> so a couple other things on the food front I don't drink a lot of my calories unless I'm being really intentional about it so I'll put in flavor enhancers in my water so I'll do like a crystal light or a meo type thing if I'm going to do uh, soda on occasion I'll do a diet soda really if I'm I'd say the only time I really drink calories is if I'm having a cocktail, and for the most part, that's once a week when I make a Bloody Mary on Sunday. When we're on vacation or if it's a special event or something like that, I will maybe have more, but that's generally the only time. I don't really do a lot of juices or high-calorie sodas or things like that, and I think that's just an easy way to save yourself some calories. Drinking calories isn't satiating, so... You would eat the same amount at a meal where you have a a high calorie drink as if you had a no calorie drink and you just took in a lot more so I think that's just an easy one to kind of make a general rule for yourself unless this is you know really worth it then I'm not going to drink the calories another one that is really helpful for me is just not eating after dinner and I know intermittent fasting is like all the rage right now I don't think of it like that I just think of it as I'm not physically hungry I just ate a Substantial, balanced, nutrient dense dinner. If I'm wanting to eat after that, it's not for true hunger reasons. It's just out of habit or emotion or mindlessness. And I think one of the one of the big things is that I talked about this in the the parenting lessons episode, but just not negotiating with myself, i guess I give myself kind of operating rules where, it's just not a good way to function to every day open yourself up for negotiation about the same thing when you know the decision that you want to make. So I could every single day after dinner kind of oh, maybe I'll just see what's in the pantry. I'll just have a little bit Maybe, or I can just say like mm, that's not an option and doesn't mean I ever make exceptions, but I generally just kind of like have that be a guiding principle and eh, it's after dinner. You're not actually hungry. Don't entertain that <laughs> that desire couple other food-related ones. The the movement ones are really pretty simple, but I'll finish the nutrition ones first. One of the most important things is, in our coaching, we refer to these as the intangibles, but I lean into the intangibles when I'm not eating meals that I have cooked or portioned myself. And by the intangibles, I mean things like leaning into your hunger-fullness cues, stopping when you're satisfied, but when you're not stuffed, eating slowly, not eating when you're distracted, things like that. I call them intangible because I kind of think that there's two sets of habits or skills that you need in order to successfully lose weight and keep it off. And on one hand, you have what I was talking about earlier, kind of the the numerical kind of science side of it, which is your calorie balance, your macronutrient balance, your micronutrients, things like that, where it's just kind of... It's not exactly black and white, but it's it's more black and white. And then you have the intangible side, which is more of like the intuitive type, tuning into your body, paying attention to how you're feeling and what you're doing and things like that. And what I typically see is that I think a lot of people go all in on one or the other and don't see the value in the other one. So there's a lot of people that are super, super, focused on tracking their food and hitting their macros spot on and things like that and just get kind of robotic about it. Maybe they track for years and years and years on end and kind of work themselves to a place where they feel really uncomfortable and insecure if they don't have a food scale or if they don't know exactly what they're eating because they haven't focused on the intangibles. And then I think you have people who focus really heavily on the intangibles hunger and fullness, you know what am i craving, how am i feeling, that sort of thing and get really good at that, but then don't make the connections to the science piece of that's great that you're so honed in on that, but also the numbers do matter. Whether or not you're tracking them, the numbers do matter because they're dictating the results that you're going to get. So in in our coaching, we cover both of these things. And the numbers are usually a more expeditious way to get the weight off, but the intangibles are a better way to keep it off while just living a pretty easy lifestyle. And rather than just being numbers, numbers, numbers until you get to your weight loss goal and then trying to make this like overnight shift into intangibles, I think it makes sense to be practicing them along the way so what we do in coaching is start off with the tracking and the numbers kind of get that stuff a little bit more on autopilot and then start introducing the intangibles and practicing them at the opportunities that make sense which brings me to when i lean on them more which is when we're out to eat or if we are traveling and i'm cooking in you know in a kitchen but i don't have like all my things or you know a scale or things like that Um, that's when it's that much more important to pay attention to this stuff. It can be really nerve wracking when you don't have like the comforts of home and you don't know exactly what's in what you're eating and it can make you just feel really out of control and like, well, why bother? Because I don't know you know, how many calories this is or what's in it or things like that. You may not always have control over what you're eating, but you can control how much of it you're eating and how closely you're paying attention to how you're feeling and how much you want. Um, so hunger and fullness is one. And that is really just kind of giving yourself an opportunity to think, if I were to rank on a scale of one to 10, how hungry am I? And the key is to like not live in the extremes. If you're super duper hungry, it's hard to stop when you're satisfied. You tend to just eat until it's gone. Um, If you are super, super full, you've gone too far. So you want to be living between like the three and the eight on that scale. Um, And it just takes practice. You, a lot of times we eat out of convenience or out of habit where, you know, the clock strikes 12 and you're like, oh, lunchtime. But you haven't actually paid attention to how hungry or full you are. So um, that's a big one, especially I think. So we just got back from a, a month long trip and it was really helpful to me to pay attention to that. We always have, you know, like small snacks and protein bars and things like that. So sometimes we would do a bigger or a later breakfast and I'd be like, you know what? I don't think I need to do a full lunch. I'm just going to grab something small so that I'm appropriately hungry for hungry for dinner, that sort of thing. Um, and then checking in when you're actually eating and seeing how hungry am I now? How much am I enjoying this food now? It helps if you are making eating the focus of, um, of what you're doing. And if you're eating slowly, a lot of us, I know I grew up eating really fast and being proud of it and just kind of wanting to be in the clean plate club and wasn't even thinking about hunger and fullness. I was thinking I will eat until the food is gone and then I'll be done. And that's that. And it was a brand new thing for me to start thinking about, hmm, you know what? It's okay to leave some food on the plate. It's okay if it's only a few bites and it doesn't seem worth saving or it seems like it would be wasteful to throw away or whatever. Um, but to really just start paying attention. The biggest thing that has helped me, because I know part of what's so frustrating about these intangibles is that, like, you just want there to be like a a rule. You just wanna know like, well, how do I know? What what is, you know, satisfied but not stuffed? The thing that's made the biggest difference for me is I'll ask myself, once I've eaten probably like 50, 60% of the plate, I start checking in every few bites and I ask myself, could i get up and do something active after this bite so when i was more heavily involved in crossfit there's a benchmark workout which is one that you like do repeatedly to gauge your progress and uh, it's called fran and i would ask myself could i get up and do fran after this and If the answer was yes, I knew I was in a pretty good place where I had fueled myself well, but I hadn't gone overboard. And if the answer was no, I was like, okay, you probably went a few bites too far. And I just practiced that way. I practiced checking with myself. I didn't beat beat myself up if I, you know, went too far. I just said, okay, next time I'll, I'll practice again. Um, I also admittedly don't focus on these things a whole lot when I'm eating at home just because I know what's in what I'm eating and I know how much of it I'm eating. So it's just less important for me to rely on. Not saying that's what you have to do. And in fact, I would encourage you to practice this when you are at home so that you're better equipped to handle it when you're out. But the most beneficial time I find is when you're out. So rather than thinking about going out to eat or going on vacation as a scary thing because you won't have your tracker or your scale, instead, think of it as an opportunity to practice these kind of maintenance habits and practices intangibles and that are going to help you be successful long-term. That's one of the biggest things, um, for me. The other couple that I have are really just related to movement and they're super simple. It's, I've said before that at this point, um, gosh, I guess in, in six months I'll hit my like 20 year exercise anniversary where I've been consistently lifting and, and exercising most days of the week for 20 years, which is wild. Cause I still feel like I'm about 25. Um, but on the movement front, it really is just kind of on autopilot. It's just what I do. It's like brushing my teeth. I don't think about it. Motivation isn't even on my radar. I just do it because it's what I do. I try to move in the morning as often as I'm able. I, for a long time, kind of told myself this story that I was a a morning exerciser, and if I couldn't do it first thing, then it wasn't going to get done. I've recently realized how silly that is, and now I have just decided I'm somebody who can exercise whenever I need to, um, but my preference is in the morning largely because it just sets a good tone for the day and it makes me feel good. I think I'm not the only one who's experienced kind of looking in the mirror before a workout and being like, mm, not feeling great. And then doing a workout, you know, nothing, nothing serious, 15, 20 minutes, just like getting a sweat on, looking in the mirror and be like, yeah, I look good. Like it's really just largely the mental benefits. I like starting the day off like that. It makes me feel like a healthy person who makes it a priority. And then the rest of the day I feel good about it and it helps me make better choices. Um, And then the other piece of that is just breaking a sweat. Most, most days I've gotten a lot less rigid about what exercise looks like or how long it goes. Having, having Mattis really changed that for me. And now instead of feeling like it has to be 60 or 90 minutes in order to count, Yeah, 15, 20 minutes, that'll get it done. Um, But I try to do it most days. And like I said, it's just so habitual now that I really don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it. But in saying that, I think a lot of times we want to skip putting in the work to get to that point or we just want to be there faster even though you can't force it. So I can't tell you exactly when it happened that it became so ingrained. I can tell you when I was working in a personal training, when I was personal training at a gym in Boston, it, it wasn't as ingrained. I was in my early 20s then and I would kind of bargain with myself. I would skip workouts, things like that. It's just taken a lot of time and practice. And I think a lot of times we just try to skip the hard work. You try to tell yourself, oh, it's been a month, it's been three months. I don't need to plan my workouts in advance. I don't need to put them on the calendar. I don't need to have that kind of structure. I'll just do something most days. And what I see is that more often than not, that doesn't end up working because it's just not Enough of a cemented habit it's not a problem but don't let yourself kind of get overly confident after you know a couple weeks or a couple months continue to go through those motions and structure them and make them a priority and commit to them and get them done and years down the road you're gonna be like oh you know what they're just what I do I don't need to do that anymore but you can't make that happen sooner than than it is than it's going to So that's about it. That's all I could think of that are what I would consider like my, I guess, guiding principles or um, anything like that. Oh, you know what? That's that's one more is I talk to a lot of women who feel like people like me, I guess, you know, somebody who is perceived as as fit and this this stuff is easy don't have like the desire to overeat or snack when we're not hungry or have cravings or things like that. And it's absolutely not true. And my hope is that by sharing with you my kind of eating history and things like that, you realize that, that that's not true. Um, but one of the things is like, I still have a lot of moments where my brain's default thought is what am I going to eat? When like I'm sad or I'm stressed or I'm anxious or I've already, you know, I've I've already eaten and I'm feeling super full, my brain will very often default to what's next. And what I've done over the years is just trained myself. Nothing's next. That's not going to make you feel better. That is my replacement thought. I have been down that road enough times to know that if I've already overeaten, eating more is not going to help. I have been down that road enough times to know that if I'm already sad, eating food is not going to help. I've just been down that road so many times that I started working on taking a different route. And it's not that my brain doesn't see that old road. It does. It very often does. But I have just gotten better at saying no at reminding myself, you know how this plays out. You know that afterwards you're going to feel even worse. So stop doing that to yourself. That, that's a conversation I have very often. Um, and I've talked about this before in the episode about what progress actually looks like. But what I've noticed over the years is that, like I said, this stuff doesn't go away. I haven't suddenly become like this robot that doesn't have cravings or doesn't you know, have the desire to emotionally eat or, or overeat or anything like that. I still do those things. But the difference is I do it less often, less severely. It knocks me down for less long. And I don't beat myself up about it. I just say like, okay, yep, you're human. It happened. Move on. And I hope, I'm glad I remember this, because I hope this is one of the best takeaways that you can take from it, is that if you're thinking there's going to be a time when you stop having cravings or you stop having the desire to eat emotionally there probably isn't and that's fine it is not an indication that anything is wrong with you or that you're not capable of making these changes or anything like that it just means that like your brain's gonna think what it's gonna think and you need to remember that you're in control of your thoughts and give yourself the opportunity to pause and say what do I really want to do here instead of being reactive and just acting you know the second you have this compulsion Stopping and saying, wait a second, let me play out these two scenarios. If I do this, how am I going to feel afterwards? What's going to happen? If I don't do this, how am I going to feel afterwards? What's going to happen? And to just give yourself the opportunity to practice and to fail and to practice again until you see that shift. But that's really really what it looks like. I have just arrived at this place where it all feels pretty easy because I have been showing up day in and day out. For twenty years, um, and I'm not saying it's going to take you twenty years to to get here. It's certainly, you know, it's certainly been several years since I've been in this place. But but just to kind of give you the perspective that we're just so focused on the short term, and you know, how much weight can I lose this month, or where will I be in January? And instead of that, just kind of focusing on knowing that if you are practicing the right behaviors, and you're building the right skills, and you're using the right tools, then the results are going to come. And the biggest thing you need to do is be consistent. Just put your head down, do the work day in and day out, and, um, and that's it. So that's all I got for you guys. I hope that's helpful. If you have more questions about what I do personally or how I've developed any of these skills specifically, feel free to ask in the Facebook group Live Diet Free. I can add those to a weekly Q&A, um, but I'm hopeful that this will just help you realize there's nothing there's nothing nothing secret. It's not that I'm fasting 22 hours a day. It's not that I'm not eating carbs. It's not that I'm, you know, exercising a shit ton. I don't have like this magical exercise regimen or supplement stack or anything like that. I just do the big rocks all the time. (laughs) That's it. So you can too. Until next week, guys. Thank you for listening to the Live Diet Free podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love to have you join me in my Facebook group by the same name, Live Diet Free. This is the most valuable weight loss and lifestyle group on Facebook. I have created it to be more valuable than courses you would pay money for. It has everything from years worth of trainings all about sustainable weight loss on topics that you request to workouts you can do from home to recipes to a weekly live Q&A that I do every Monday based on your questions. I would love to have you in there. You can join at estheravandfacebook.com slash groups slash live diet free.